Are you alive? You know, is everything cool? Did you fall off the, off the you know, Wellington, everything's built on cliffs, you know, and um, not for the faint of heart. Um, but hey, I want to share some stuff with you uh, this morning, and you guys have been going through a, a series of, of disrupt the system. Did I get the words right there? Disrupt the system. And Jesus is all about disrupting the system and um, to reconstruct the system. You know, he deconstructs to reconstruct. He never deconstructs full stop. It's always for a reconstruction. It's always for an upgrade. He takes us from glory to glory. And the two is often the deconstruction. We go, yeah, this is epic. We're in an amazing season. Things are going well too. Boom, everything gets shaken. He shakes everything up. And then he brings us into another level of glory. And um, right now, not just as a church and not just as a nation, but as an entire world, we're in a two. We're, we're in a season of shaking where everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And, and as that's happening, we're beginning to realize where our anchor point is and we're beginning to realize where our foundations are. And God is inviting us freshly and in a new way into the unshakable, into an unshakable hope. And um, so I'm excited about the season we're in. We're in a crazy time where we used to have the option of either coming with him into the new thing that he was leading us into or staying in the old. But where we're at now, not just as a church, like I said, but as an entire globe, is that we have come out of the old and we have not just come out of the old, we have been shaken out of the old. It's kind of like God was pouring out a bottle of old and then he got to the bottom of the bottle and started shaking it to get all the stuff out. And there's no return. We've come out of the old, and the doorway back has disappeared. We, there, there, is, there, is no, there is no option of return. We are, we are moving into a whole new world. The world will never, ever, 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 ever be the same again. We, we will never experience planet Earth like we did a few months ago, ever again. We are moving into a completely new world and, there, and in that, there is an upgrade, in that God has some new things for us, in that God is, is going to begin to lead us in new ways. He's going to be, begin to lead us into new things. And some of those things are going to be um, um, initially terrifying to step into. And some of the ways that He's leading us is going to require for us to actually let go of some old things. And so I want to I talk a little bit into this. Um, and I want to talk about kind of how to position yourself in this season. Is that okay? Share a few little stories, a few things that God's been speaking to me about. I actually have a number of messages that are burning in my heart. And it's actually hard for me to figure out, man, I'm burning on a few different things. And what do I share? Because I want to share all of them. Uh, but I'm going to share this. This, this is I've, I've, as, as I walked in the building this morning, I just felt like I need to share this message with you guys this morning. And it's really a disrupt the system message. So um, the, Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Every, everybody wants a leader like Jesus. Jesus is actually easy to follow, but terrifying sometimes. You, you, know, you need to learn to trust Jesus. We need to learn to trust the leading of the Spirit, because if we can't trust the man, that's just too terrifying. <laughs> but everyone wants a leader like Jesus. And and I believe that there is a fresh grace in this season to actually follow Him um, 
at a new level of intensity and in a fresh way. Um, I've been, during the lockdown, I don't know how the lockdown was for you guys, but for me, the lockdown was kind of a mixed bag. It was kind of like, uh, like love, hate. I was loving, you know, being able to do everything in my pajamas. You know, but I was like far out. It's pretty intense having all the kids at home, homeschooling, reinventing the way we do church, learning how to navigate in this new world that we've all of a sudden found ourselves shaken into. And whoa, everything's happening all at the same time. And then, and then, hey, should we get a dog, guys? You know, the kids are like, please, Dad, can we get a dog? Please, can we get a dog? Okay, can we stop talking about the dog? We need to, we just, we just need to focus where we're at for a second. You know, it's just a bit of a mixed bag, but um, get him. In the process, I've managed, I've managed to push it out, but it was a big conversation for the entire lockdown, um, hence why I'm mentioning it in my, in my little uh, conclusion of what it was like for me. But uh, one of the things that God was talking to me about during the lockdown around this season is He started to speak to me about the, the two times, and particularly the first time, that Jesus walked into the temple and turned the tables over. And uh, one of the times where Jesus actually walked in and he disrupted the system. He walked into his father's house. He walked into his own house. And there was something happening in his house. There was a culture being expressed in his house that was not the same culture of his father. That was not the culture that should have been happening in his house. There was stuff happening in there that was misrepresenting the nature of the owner of the house. And he walks into the house and he, 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 makes a, he makes a whip, and I was joking about, you know, those ribbons that the kids were dancing with. It kind of probably looked a little bit like that, you know, like with a sharp end at the, at the thing. But, you know, he walks in with a whip, and, um, and, he, and he just goes to town. He starts turning tables over, and he deconstructs. He, he demolishes. He comes in, and he disturbs. He disrupts what is going on in that place. And why? The reason is, because he wants change. Whenever God disrupts something or disrupts a life or disrupts a system, it's because he's doing that. And in that, there's an invitation into something new, into a higher way, into his way. And uh, what is happening right now in the church, not just in New Zealand, but in the world, is I believe that in some ways, Jesus is walking into his church and he's turning tables over. And that's not to say that everything we've done in the last season was wrong. There are many things that we've done in the last season that, that came from the Lord and that are really, 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 really good and things that we're not, we're not meant to get rid of. And, and there are many tables that aren't being turned over, but Jesus has walked into his house and he's beginning to turn some tables over and he's beginning to disrupt the system. And so I was thinking about this, I was praying about this, and, uh, and I said, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was just saying to him, I was talking about the scripture to him, and I said, man, to be honest, you know, I have two main primary fears in this season, that, in this new season that we're in right now. And here are my two fears, and I want to share these with you as a way of being vulnerable with you, and a way of maybe you can relate to these two fears. But uh, my two primary fears were this, are this. First of all, my first fear is that, Jesus, if you're turning tables over, in my life and our church and the church of the world, my first fear is this, that when you leave, when you carry on, because Jesus turned tables over, then him and his disciples left. 
And then he came back at the end of his ministry and the tables were all back again. And he turned them over again in his entrance into Jerusalem just before he was crucified. He had to turn them over again. So my, my concern and one of my fears is, Jesus, if you turn the tables over on purpose, my fear is that me and us would come back in once you've moved on and put them back and go, go about with business as usual. And I just found myself saying, God, I don't want to put tables back that you've turned over. I don't want to reestablish old ways that you're trying to demolish and get rid of. I want to know how to be flexible. God, I want grace to be flexible, to move into the new and not just go back to the old because that's the comfortable. And, um, and so I found myself praying like, God, give me wisdom to know what are the tables that you've turned over that are meant to stay turned over and what are the tables that the enemy's turned over that you want to actually reestablish? Like how do we know how to navigate through what do we leave behind and what do we take with us? And then my next fear is this. There is a cost and there is a, um, it's going to require courage. It's going to require some level of sacrifice to come with Jesus into the new. And I just heard Jesus. I was meditating on that turning over the tables scenario. And I, and I heard Jesus say, hey, I don't want you to stay. I want you to come with me. I'm inviting the entire church to come with me. And, and the option will be, you have the option to stay and put the tables back the way they were and carry on and carry on with a system that Jesus is actually leaving. Or we have the opportunity to follow Jesus into the new and reestablish something brand new for a brand new world and a brand new season. And so in, in essence, the question that I'm really asking in light of those two fears and in light of what Jesus was talking to me about in the lockdown is this, what's baby and what's bathwater? Because I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I, want to, I don't want to take 500 liters of bathwater with the baby. You know, who needs dirty bathwater? Like, I want to leave behind turned over tables that are meant to stay turned over, but I want to take with me tables that may have been turned over in the carnage that are meant to be turned back upright and taken with us. What's baby? What's the precious thing that God's wanting to protect? And what's the bathwater? And in processing that question with the Lord, I have discovered that there's no clear-cut answer. It's not black and white. There's a lot of gray in there. And so I've been thinking, God, like, I can't just go around the churches that I preach in and say, okay, guys, here's the list. We're, this is what God has said. We're meant to take this, this, and this, and this with us, and these are the things we're meant to leave behind. I mean, um, guys, I don't think any more colored chairs. We're only going black now. You know, it's not, like, it's, it's, not like, it's not like that. It's like, it's very fluid. There's, there's, it's not clear cut. And so I want to share with you, um, as we go into this, this new world, and as we learn to follow Jesus into a new space and into uh, the reconstruction of his house and the reculturization of his house, and as we learn to... Um, find our feet in a whole new season, then uh, there are four things that I think we need to think about. First thing is this. Are you guys ready for this? First thing is this. There are some things that God gave us and some ways that He taught us to live in the last season that were seasonal. And if we bring them with us into the new, they will become idols. So there are some things that last season 
the season we've just violently come out of, there are some things in that season that literally God gave us for a season. And they served us super, super well. They're things that God spoke to us, undeniably spoke to us, ways that God taught us, um, strategies that God gave us, initiatives that God put on our hearts to do that He blessed. And they were absolutely amazing and God sent and God ordained and wonderful for that season. But if we carry them with us, if we carry seasonal grace with us into the next season, what happens by default is those, is those ways that we learnt actually become idols in the next season. And what happens is they began as uh, we, 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 we entered into them last season in, in beautiful trust and worship towards God. And they added to and they brought us into a deeper relationship with God in the last season. But if we take them with us into the new, what ends up happening is we end up relying on those ways more than our relationship with God, and that's how they become idols. And if you look in church history, you'll see this happen again and again and again and again. It's, it's, it's uh, human nature outside of relationship with God. It is human nature to rely on a way above a person. God wants to show us His ways, but when they become idols, He adjusts the way so that we have to learn to lean into relationship again because what he really cares about is relationship. So there are seasonal ways. There are things that you have learned, that I have learned to rely on and that have given us life in the old that I believe that God is going to begin to take out from under our feet. And initially that's going to feel super uncomfortable and like, whoa, man, hey, hang on a second. I was relying on that. And God's like, that was the problem. That might feel uncomfortable. Second thing is this. There are things that God gave us in the last season that we are meant to take with us into the new. There are ways, there are strategies, there are things that God has spoken, there are prophecies, there are promises. There are many things. There's, there is a lot of baby in the, in the last season. And we're meant to take baby with us into the new. We don't leave baby behind. And we need to know what those things are. We need to become clear on that. Three, um, there is the new. As we step into the new, I'm, by the way, I'm hearing myself twice. Is that? That's the other room. Okay, cool. It's like, you know, that, that uh, thing that happens when you're on the phone and, and there's like the double thing? It's quite trippy, eh? <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. If it's, if it's a mission, don't worry about it, but it's fine. Um, there, there is the new. And here's the thing with the new. The new is most often never comfortable. So some of where Jesus is taking you individually and us corporately is going to initially be uncomfortable to embrace. Um, how many people love drums? How many people like think that when there's no drums in worship, it's not quite as good. Like drums just sort of add to the flavors. Good, it's a good addition to the, it's a good ingredient to the, to the mix. I don't know, for me, I love the drums. Like I, I find myself like, as the drummer is drumming, often I just find myself encountering God in a fresh way, in a different way, in a new way. Like the drums just carry an anointing that other instruments don't carry. I love the drums. But there was a day, before I was born, there was a day when drums were considered outrageously demonic. 
there was a day where you would never consider playing drums in church. And, 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 and you know, many of you are kind of giggling and laughing and like, how ridiculous is that? That's so stupid. How could people ever believe? How could people believe that drums were evil and that couldn't be used to worship God? That seems like a ridiculous thought now, but you have to put yourself in the shoes of the people back then who had no living example. They, they couldn't look anywhere on the planet and see an example of drums being used to worship God. And when there's no living example and all there is is examples of either drums being used for selfish ambition or drums being used to worship demons, <laughs> when that's all you see and that's the only example there is, then hey, it's actually quite reasonable to look at it and say, actually, we don't want that in our church. We don't want that in our places of worship because we've seen what those things do and it's not good. It's easy to make that mistake. You can actually give people grace. You can forgive people for thinking like that. But then what happened is at some point, I don't know who it was, but at some point someone thought, you know what? Flip, I feel like God's invited me to get some drums and play them in church. And all the other churches in town were like, dude, that's a bit new age, mate. That's a bit new age. We are entering into a new age, by the way. And some of the things that the new age movement has latched onto and held onto and is, is dominating are things that God wants back, God wants redeemed, just like the drums were. But one day a guy had an idea from the Lord and he felt the stirring of the Spirit and the leading of the Spirit. These are the sons of God, those who are led by the Spirit. He felt the leading of the Spirit and it took boldness, it took courage. He had to wrestle with, with the idea that people might not like him for this. They might reject him for this. He might lose his favor in the wider church for this. He had to wrestle with a whole bunch of different things to make the decision, I'll stuff it, man. I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't care what people think of me. I'm going to follow Jesus into the new. I know that God wants to redeem the drums. And I'm just going to start freaking playing the drums in church and people can deal with it. And now we are, we are literally living in the blessing and the benefit of what someone courageously chose all the way back then. Some of you are going to be forerunners into the new. Some of you, and, and, and that's awesome and amazing. And yeah, everyone wants to be a forerunner, but no one wants to be a forerunner before it's forerun. <laughs> Everyone, everyone loves the glory at the end, but the courage that it takes at the front, man, that's actually a little bit of a challenge sometimes. And so one thing I want to pray for you this morning is that you would have radical courage to embrace the new and that you would have radical trust to let go of the old. <clears throat> and then, of course, number four, the fourth thing, there are things that didn't come from God. There's sin, there's dysfunction, and in any season, you just get rid of that. That's just a given. We won't go into any more detail on that. Of course, just get rid of it. If you need to get uh, counseling, get counseling. If you need marriage counseling, get marriage counseling. If you, need to, if you need help, get help. If you need prayer, get prayer. Just get whole. Full stop. Proverbs um, <clears throat> 3, 5. This has been a massive scripture for me. And uh, in light of the turning of the tables, I was, as I was praying through this, God said to me, Turn to Proverbs 3, verse 5, and base your life on that. And so I'm going to share this with you. Here it is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on, the underst do not lean on what you learned last season, because where we're going, that's not going to serve you well. 
But learn to trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with not 99%. It's that old, uh, it's that old Hebrew word for all, which literally in the original Greek, original, sorry, Hebrew translation literally just means all. It means 100%. It doesn't mean 99.9%. It doesn't mean all of your heart apart from the financial aspect of your heart. It doesn't mean all of your heart apart from when it comes to your third child, you know, who's just a bit of a mix. He's a bit of a mixed bag and like, sheesh, I mean, I really trust the Lord with everything else. But my third child, man, gee, that's a, that's a different, I've got to try and work that one out on my own understanding, my own strength. You know, it's 100% of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And every time you realize that there's a part of your heart that is difficult to trust the Lord in, then that's an opportunity for wholeness. That's an, that's an invitation to an upgrade. That's an invitation to a healing. If He reveals it, He heals it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. Everyone say, do not. Do not lean on your own understanding. So what that means is when you find yourself leaning on your own understanding and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm actually making a decision lent on my own understanding, then do not. Stop. Cease what you're doing. Stop walking. Stop. Pull over. Turn the car off. Lean back the other way and stop leaning on your own understanding because that wall, my friend, is coming down. That wall is precariously built over the edge of a cliff and it is unstable. Do not lean on that one. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. In this season, we are going to, uh, I believe that we are going to begin to learn um, where areas in our lives where we have learned to lean on our own understanding and areas of our lives where we have learned to trust in the Lord. And there is an upgrade and an invitation for us to let go of our own understanding and to embrace a full-hearted, wholehearted trust in the Lord. I woke up uh, the other morning and um, the, this was at the end of the lockdown. I woke up at 3 a.m. And at 3 a.m., I woke up to this. Now, I didn't, I didn't wake up by my own choice. I was awoken. I was awoken with this. Oh, oh. Whoops, sorry. I hope that didn't break the microphone then. <laughs> I woke up to a knock, knock, knock on my front door. A literal, audible knock, knock, knock on my front door. It's an aluminum door. It has a, a, a quite a... A distinct sound to it, and it was a knock, like a heavy knock on my door. So I jumped out of bed, awoken out of my sleep, and a new state of consciousness. I'm now fully awake. I'm like, what is going on? Who is at our house? We live in the country. People don't walk down our road. Someone has intentionally driven to our house. They're knocking on my door. I'm in my underpants. I need to get some clothes on. I put like a some clothes on. I found a bat of some sort. Maybe I, I can't remember what it was. It was like a stick that was in my room that one of the kids put there. Some kind of, I need to get dressed and weaponized. And I walked to the front door and I was like, all right, I made sure I opened the door with my left hand. So my strong hand with my, um, with my stick was there. Ready with my, and, and I've got my battle stance, you know, and I opened the door. Hello. 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 Got to sound tough, you know. Hello. I'm tough. Hello. And, um, and, uh, hello, hello, who's there? Who's there? Maybe either I intimidated them and they ran away, or, um, there was no one there. I did, no one was there. So I was like, okay, cool. Sweet. Went back to sleep. Half an hour later, I won't break the microphone again, but I, but I hear this 
knock, 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 and it wakes me up. And I'm like, man, where's the stick? Where's the, you know, my clothes again? Put my clothes on. And, and Jesus says to me, he says, Matt, there's no one at your front door. I, you are audibly hearing me knock on the door of your heart. It just sounds like your front door. But I am knocking on the door of your heart. And if you will come and if you will open the door of your heart to my knock, if you will respond to the invitation, if you will respond to the knock, I will come in and eat with you and you can come in and eat with me. Revelation 3. I am knocking on the door of your heart and I want to come in deeper and I want you to come deeper into me. And he said to me, there's an invitation in this season for fresh intimacy. There's an invitation in this season for a restoking of the home fires. And so we went on and we started an initiative during the lockdown called Raising Home Fires Secret Place Training. And it's all about strengthening people in their own personal press spaces, in their own personal homes. And I see the fire of God coming into people's living rooms, coming into people's bedrooms, coming into people's secret places. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Lord shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And whatever overshadows you will come out in your shadow. And there's a rest, and I believe that God is restoring first love in this season. He's restoring intimacy in this season. He's restoring the secret place, and He's restoring people back to a personal connection with God where they actually learn to trust Him, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Where they, where they learn to not trust in their circumstances, not trust in what's going on and around them, but there's a strength on the inside that is established in that place of prayer, that is established in that place of the secret place, that is established in that place of your personal connection with God where you have become accustomed to being led by the still small voice where you no longer require the thunderings and the lightnings of the Spirit at a conference, but where you are actually led, led internally by the still small whisperings of the Spirit and you have learned to trust your life on those whispers. And that doesn't ca- happen overnight. That doesn't happen in just a quick impartation of the laying on of hands. That happens as you learn day by day, minute by minute to trust in that still small leading. And there is a fresh invitation in this season. I found myself um, um, repeating this statement again and again and again for about the last year in staff meetings, in um, leadership team meetings, as we've been strategizing as a church, as my wife and I have been strategizing for our family, praying together, I've found myself saying these words. Man, you know what? I, I love coming up with a plan, but guys, I want to just say this. Where we're going, we cannot afford to reason our way forward. We must hear our way forward. We can't come up with our clever plans anymore. We must hear our way forward because Jesus is leading us in a new way to new things that we have no idea about. We have no reference for. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about my friend. I'll call him Gary. But he has a, he has a, far, more, he has a far more colorful name. But, uh, but I won't share his name. But he, um, and I, if, if you've heard this story, I apologize. But you probably haven't. But he told the story, he, it took him three hours to share the story with me. And don't worry, I'm not going to take three hours. I'm going to take approximately five minutes. But he tells the story of when he moved from the island that he grew up on and immigrated to New Zealand, where he left the land that he had become uh, accustomed to, the land that he knew, the, his reference of understanding, his reference for reality. He left that and he immigrated to New Zealand. This was, this was many, many, years, many, many, many decades ago before there was even the internet, before there were cell phones. Um, this was even like back in the day when there wasn't even telephones, especially on his island. He grew up on an island, I think, uh, I think it was the Cook Islands, and it was an island that was way, 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 way off 
the mainland. And so his island, he could walk around uh, the full circumference of it in an hour. And he started to tell me stories of his upbringing. You know, he left the island when he was about 13 or 14 years old to immigrate to New Zealand, like I said. There was one ferry that would come to the island once a month, and it would bring supplies, different food from the mainland. And they would um, trade with the ferry, and they would trade primarily pearls. So they would get lots of pearls, and they would tr- give the pearls to the ferry guy. The ferry guy would give them um, different kinds of foods, pigs, different things to eat to have on the island. And he grew up in a grass hut. Like, this is full tribal. He, he said, man, we had, like, um, tri- like very basic clothes. Like, I was a pearl diver, you know. Um, my dad was a pearl diver. My dad's dad was a pearl diver. My dad's dad's dad was a pearl diver. My dad's 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 dad was a pearl diver. And, um, and to be the man on the island, if you want to be the cool kid, then you got the biggest pearl and you dived the deepest dive. And diving was the, was the way to be cool. And the other thing to be cool was you had to learn how to kill octopus. So the way you kill an octopus is you get a stick. And um, the, gu- the kid that got the biggest octopus was the man, you know. So he said, I got become really good at killing octopus and really good at getting pearls. And, um, and uh, life was very simple. Um, he, he said, I remember when I ate my first apple, when the fairy brought apples to our island for the first time. I was about 10 years old. And I remember eating this apple and then instantly feeling guilty because I was like, man, this, this, I must be eating the forbidden fruit. This is too good. This is too good. And he was like, this is so good. Oh, my gosh, this must be the fruit that Adam and, Ava, Adam and Eve ate. And he started feeling guilty for eating the apple. He was telling me all these crazy stories. One of the things he said was that um, about once a week, um, an alarm would go off, which was a series of bells that was strung around the island. The bells would start going off. And when the bells went off, it was because the big birds come in. And there was this big, massive bird that would fly over the island. And um, when the bells went off, they all had to, they, the school shut down, everything shut down, and everyone ran inside under shelter. Everyone hid. The entire island hid from this big bird because they were terrified of being eaten by this big bird. Okay, so these are some of the things that he was telling me. It's just, just really interesting island life stories. Um, he said that his, uh, the fastest he had ever gone was the speed of his canoe. He said, man, they would get adrenaline rushes. They would get speed rush sensation from paddling their canoe fast. Their reference for speed was the fastest ex- experience of speed they had ever experienced was the speed of their canoe being paddled. And they would have canoe races, and it was, it was like adrenaline. It was like um, the, the, you know, the race of the century. It was just epic. And um, so quite an interesting upbringing, a limited perspective. The island life gives you a limited perspective. And then anyway, long story short, he gets the invitation from a distant family member who's immigrated to New Zealand. The letter makes the way to the island, and the letter says, hey, immigrate to New Zealand. It's epic, in their own words. And so, uh, long story short, they pack up all their stuff and they start to um, get ready to immigrate to New Zealand. And it's all exciting. They're leaving. They're leaving a season behind and they're stepping into a new season. They're They're leaving the world they have come to know behind and they're stepping into a whole new world. And he gets on the ferry and he's like, man, I'm on the ferry. This is crazy. And he starts going on the ferry, a real slow ferry. He's like, man, this is amazingly fast. This is incredibly efficient. And they start going towards the mainland. They get to the mainland, and he gets in a taxi to go to the airport. And he's like, he feels like he's going to die in the taxi. You know, he's like, man, the driver looks like he's calm. But this is, I'm sure this is dangerous. Like, this is terrifying. We, look at the road. Look how fast we're going. 
he's freaking out. And um, everything's new. You know, there's, um, this is back when there's no, like, there's nothing in, you know, there's no real great technology on the, on the main island of the Cook Islands. But um, still, everything's new, right? There's roads. Oh, my gosh, there's roads. This is crazy. And then he gets to the airport. He steps up to the airport, and he's like, oh, no, I'm not going there. We cannot go there. Guy's stuck, and he's getting behind the, the window, you know, of the car, and he's hiding. He's hide, hide, don't, shh, shh, talk, stop. This is the big bird nest. We are literally in the big bird nest. Like, look at all these massive birds here. We are going to die for sure. We need to be quiet. We need to be careful. And then, and then they say, okay, we get out of the car, walk into the airport. We're going to catch one of these birds. We're going to catch one of these? We are not going to fly on the big bird all the way to New Zealand. This is, this is, those big birds, man, we hide once a week to get away from these big birds. We have avoided being eaten for this for 14 years now. I've avoided being eaten by one of these things. I'm not about to walk into the nest of these big birds and try and attempt to fly one all the way to New Zealand. This is ridiculous. We are surely going to die. And they come into the airport, and he's like sneaking into the airport. And then he looks out the window of the terminal, and he sees people walking on the runway and walking into the door of the big bird. And he's like... He is screaming. He, is, he just goes into full-on like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. People are, and he's like, this is not right. People are literally being sacrificed to these demon birds. This is like, a, like th- we don't believe. We have left human sacrifice behind. I thought we had moved. We are Christians. We are Christian people. We believe in Jesus. We don't sacrifice our fellow human beings, our fellow people, our fellow countrymen to these demon birds. This is crazy. And they're just willingly walking into the belly of the bird. And he's like trying to say, like, don't go. You don't need to go. You can make a choice. You're a powerful person. You don't have to be a victim to this demonic thing. And then it gets to the point where they call his family name, and he gets called to board the plane, board the big bird. Long story short, they have to wrestle him to the ground and carry him, kicking and screaming. He's I'm not going. I don't want to be a sacrifice. And they wrestle him, and, and he's like holding, he's like starfished against the door, like trying to, no, I'm not, just wrestle him and, and just kick him and get him in his seat. And then he's like, man, it's actually pretty comfortable in here. I'm surprised. This is what it feels like to be eaten. It actually is not too bad. And he's thinking, this must be, I wonder if Jonah felt like this in the whale, you know, like this is like, I wonder if the whale had seats like this, you know, he's thinking like, this is an interesting interior of this big bird. It's quite, it's and then he realizes, well, it must be, yeah, maybe it's not a bird. Maybe it's a vehicle of some sort. And he starts to come around to it. He begins to lean away from his own understanding. And he begins to trust in the new. And then he flies and he gets to uh, New Zealand. And New Zealand airport is a lot more advanced than the Cook Islands airport that he came from. And he comes off and he's like, screens electricity, moving stairs, stuff, things, everything's happening. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And he's just like overwhelmed. Can you imagine if you've come from an island that you can walk around in an hour with no outside communication and all of a sudden you're at Auckland Airport and everything's happening. Everything is new. And so the car's parked on the third level. He has to go to the lift. So he goes to the lift with his family. He's waiting to hop on the lift and he's like, the door opens and he's like, why are we... Why are we walking into a cupboard? This is ridiculous. And the people in front of him, they walk into the, into the cupboard. And then the door closes and he's like, 
I can't, I don't know, I don't know what this is. And the door, and he's trying to make sense of it, trying to figure it out. Like, man, I've never seen anything like this before. This is strange. I think we need, don't we need to go upstairs to the car? What are we mucking around in the cupboard for? And the door shuts, and then the door opens, and they've gone. <laughs> and he's thinking, no. What happened to the guys? It just what happened to them? And so then they're like, okay, we better hop in. And he's like, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to hop in. But then he's thinking, oh well, you know, I suppose I got on the big bird and that was okay. So maybe something happens in this wardrobe. Hopefully we don't end up back on the island. You know, like I don't know. Maybe it's a teleportation device. I don't know. So he walks in, and then the doors open. He's in a totally different space. He's thinking, man, that was like a full-on miracle. We're now. And the third level and the car's right there. That was crazy. We just got transported all the way to the third floor. And, um, and he gets to the house he's living in and, uh, in South Auckland. He walks into the living room and everything's crazy. You know, he gets there and there's a TV happening in the, in the living room. One of those old wooden box TVs. And uh, it's a John Wayne movie. And, um, and, and there's a bit of a scrap happening in the movie. And, he, and he's like... Do you know you have people who are hanging out in a wooden box in your living room? How did you get people to hang out in a wooden box in your living room and you've shrunk them? And he's like, he's like thinking, well, I, could, I could help with this. I could help with this fight. I could help. You know, there's obviously a misunderstanding here. I think I can help with this. So he's trying to get into the TV to help John Wayne on this movie, literally. Now, that seems stupid to you, but this is, he's, his reference for reality is island. So this is, this is real for him. This is real for him. This is a true story. And um, in, all of a sudden, he's like, I don't know, man. It must have been God just did it exactly for me. But a massive alien-sized octopus shows up. You know, if you're the man on the island, you know how to kill good octopus, you know. This octopus shows up and starts attacking John Wayne. And John Wayne gets his gun out and is trying to shoot the octopus. And my friend Gary is like, oh, my gosh, quick, we've got to say, we've got to help this guy. He can't, you can't do that to an octopus. It's not going to do anything to the octopus. He needs a stick, man. He needs a stick. And he's trying to get in. He's like, I can sense someone's about to die in your living room. Someone's, guys, someone's about to die in the living room. We've got a problem in the living room. There's about to be a, a, a murder. There's about to be a murder take place in the living room. We need to, we need to sort this out. There's, a, there, there's something going down. And he's like freaking out and people are trying to calm him down. He's like, he can't be calmed down. He's gone hysterical. He runs outside. He grabs a big stick and he runs in. He's like, I know how to kill octopus, man. This guy, he has no idea. I can save him. I know how to do this. And he tries to get in with a big stick and he's trying to run and jump into the TV. The TV survives, but he can't get into the TV. And then all of a sudden, the big octopus kills John Wayne. And my friend Gary goes into full-blown mourning. He starts weeping. He starts crying. He's thinking, man, someone has just literally been murdered in a living room. We're going to retrieve his body. How are we going to tell his family? This guy needs a proper funeral. Like, we need to take this, take this barrier, this veil off of this box and get in there because, man, like, to do, this is just, he deserves a proper funeral, man. And he goes to bed and he's just like, that was the worst day of my life. I just watched someone be murdered. And, I'm, I am, I, and the octopus is out there somewhere still. And I'm trying to sleep knowing there's a flipping alien octopus out there. 
It might come out of that box anytime and people are dying and what if they kill my dad and my mum? Like, I don't know, man, I'm freaked out. There's an alien in the house. Then anyway, he, he uh, wakes up the next day and he's a bit, dis- dis- bit depressed, you know. And that night, it's a series of John Wayne movies, three in a row. And he li- the TV comes on and um, John Wayne's there. He's like, oh my gosh, I've seen a resurrection. This is like what happened to Jesus. This guy just rose from the dead. And he's like, Jesus, you answered my prayers. This is amazing. And he's just so stoked. And here's what I want to say. It can, be st- it can be a bit scary moving into the new. It will require strength and courage. And you can make a choice. You also, it's a funny story, and some of it's even so strange and crazy that it's hard to believe. But I know the guy. Now, this is a true story. Well, everything I just said is true. It seems crazy, but it's true. You too are moving from an island to a whole new world. The same is true of you. You are moving from a limited perspective, from a limited understanding. You are moving from what you've become accustomed to, from a world that has shaped your worldview, your perspective of God, of yourself, of, of the world. And we are moving into a whole new land. We are moving into a promised land. We have come out of Egypt. We are moving through the wilderness. We are not meant to pitch our tent in the wilderness. We are not meant to camp. In the, we're not meant to build cities in the wilderness. Wilderness is awesome. It's a place where God is, but it's a transition place as we move into the new. And we are moving into our promised land. And that promised land has a whole bunch of stuff in it that you and I, we don't understand yet. And that's why leaning on our own understanding is a bad idea. And it will not serve you well. You may have been able to do that last season. There was a time where you could get away with leaning on your own understanding. But we are moving into a new time where that will no longer do anymore. And there is not, it's not even, it's, for you to move forward with Jesus 100% requires that you learn to rediscover Him in a fresh way in the secret place for yourself. Those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. You can trust your island mentality or you can trust the guide who is leading you forward. You can trust the Holy Spirit. And there's a knock, knock, knock on the door. There's a knock, knock, knock on the door. And if, um, if we can just get the worship team up, we're going to go into a time of worship soon. And, and, um, and of course, that's a time where you get the opportunity. There's a space this morning where you can respond to what I've shared this morning and um, where you can really just uh, uh, take some time to let God speak to your heart, to let God do some stuff in your heart. And to really just have some time with the Lord where, where you let Him realign your heart towards Him. But I believe that, that this is what's happening this morning. I believe that there is a knock, knock, knock. And I believe there is an invitation. And I believe that, that the Holy Spirit is reaching out His hand. I believe that Jesus is reaching out His hand. The Father is reaching out His hand. That there has been a turning over the tables. There has been a disruption. There's been a disruption in the church. And there may have been a disruption in your life. And if there hasn't been, there probably will be. And when that disruption happens... 
you won't know what to leave behind and you won't know what to take with you and you won't be able to figure that out on your own, but there is a fantastic guide and Jesus is reaching out his hand and he's saying, come with me. But to come with me, there are some things that you have to let that you have to let go of. It's that classic picture of someone holding onto a rail on the edge of a cliff and Jesus is standing just out of reach over here and he's saying, let go and jump. I'll catch you. And you're like, flip. I don't know. I, I, this feels safe. This feels okay. I'm pretty sure this is secure. And he's like, if you don't let go, you're going to be stuck there. Don't get stuck. Let go and jump and trust that I'm going to catch you. Some of you, there's actually a step. There's a step of trust that you need to take in this right now season. Some of you, there's actually some actual things going on in your life. There's some decisions that you're needing to make. There's some pivoting that needs to happen. There's some, there's some new th- opportunities that have been put in front of you that you're wondering, like, I don't know. To step forward into that, is, it, it's scary. It's a little bit like I'll have to let go of some stuff. I don't know if I let go of that. I don't know what's going to happen because if I let go of that, there are a whole bunch of consequences. If I don't get caught here, if Jesus doesn't catch me here, I'm stuffed. That's a long way down. But I, I want to let you know this. He will catch you every time. He will catch you every time. Learn to trust in the arms of Jesus. Learn to t- trust in the leading of the Spirit. Learn to trust. And I believe that there is a grace this morning. There is a grace to uh, there is a grace that will enable you to trust in a fresh in a fresh way, and that grace comes as you make the decision and say, God, whatever it is that's holding me back, whatever it is that I'm holding on to at the expense of leaning into you. If I'm aware of it now, I'll let go of it now. And if I'm not aware of it now and you reveal it to me tomorrow, I'll let go of it tomorrow. But whenever you reveal it, God, I'll let go of it. And when you reveal it, you'll heal it. And I believe that this is going to be something that every single person in this room will have to pass through in order to come to the new. I don't believe any single person in this room is exempt from what I'm saying. Some of you will be aware right now of some of the things that you need to let go of. And and therefore, right now is the time where you get to make the internal decision that will have external consequences in your life. Where you make that internal decision, I am aligning with trust in the Lord and the leading of the Spirit rather than what I have come to understand and come to put my trust in in the past and last season. That right now is a time where you let go and you move into the new. This morning, right now, right now, during this time of worship, in this immediate moment is your time. And there are others of you and you're thinking, well, you know, cool, that's a great message, Matt. It's awesome. I'm all about the, the invitation to the secret place. Yep, I'm all about the rekindling of the home fires. I'm excited about that. That's awesome. I can't think of anything right now that I'm really feeling challenged to let go of and anything that I'm really being invited into that's new. But life just feels like it's carrying on for me. Hey, that's cool. If you feel like that, that's cool. That's awesome. I bless where you're at on the journey right now. But I just, I'm, I'm saying this because of what you are about to probably experience. I'm saying this to prepare you for what's ahead. Because there are some things ahead for us as a nation together and for you individually as a person in this nation that are going to be challenging and will require the leadership of the Spirit. And so learn now. Learn now. 
And so here's what I want to do. If, if you, if you uh, can relate to that knock, 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 if, as I said that, you could kind of sense something in your spirit that was like, man, you know what? When you said that, I felt that knock, knock. And I feel the need. I feel a hunger. I feel a desire stirring in me that I want a greater intimacy. I want, a, I want some freshness in my prayer life. I want a home fire. I want to I want stoke a home fire. And Holy Spirit, I want you to provide some logs. I want you to provide some fire. I want you to help me stoke the home fire because God, this, this personal connection with you, this secret place with you, God, is something that I want to grow in, something I want to develop. God, I don't want to lean on my understanding. I want to lean into the leading of the Spirit and I need that space, God. And whatever I need to do to adjust in my life to create that space, if I need to wake up at 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning, if I need to start going to bed at 8 a.m. and uh, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. 8 p.m. instead of midnight, if I need to make some changes, maybe I need to change my eating habits, maybe I need to make some changes in my life, but whatever changes I need to make, God, tell me the changes I need to make because I want to protect some space where we can begin developing a secret place and begin um, stoking a home fire in my own home. If that relates to you and you're like, yes, there's a yes in my heart. There's a yes in my spirit for that. And I want some of that. I want some of that fire. I want, some, I want to say yes to the invitation. I want to make a stand this morning and say, God, you're inviting me into that. I say, yes, I'm coming. I'm not going to stay with turned over tables trying to put back what you've dismantled. I'm coming with you into the new. If that's you, I just want you to quickly stand right now. And I want to pray for you just before we get into some worship. Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask you to come. I just want you to position your heart. He's knocking on the door of your heart. If you open that door, He will come in and eat with you and you can come in and eat with Him. That's communion. That's the union that He wants to have. He wants to sit at the table of your heart no matter what condition it's in. You might have two-minute noodles on that table. And you might feel a bit embarrassed inviting the King of the universe to eat at the table and serving Him two-minute noodles. But He wants to sit at that table and He wants to eat those noodles. He loves what's on the inside of you. He loves you. He believes in you. He accepts you. And He celebrates you. And then He wants to invite you into Him to eat the feast that's on the inside of His table. There's a fresh intimacy. There's a fresh intimacy as you learn to open. And so, Father, I just declare over this room a grace to open. I declare oil on the hinges. I declare, Holy Spirit, release oil on the hinges of our hearts, God. Release oil on the hinges of our hearts. Give us grace to open ourselves up to you in in new and fresh and wider ways, God. Father, where our doors are just open ajar just a little bit, God, I pray that there would be grace in this moment right now for our doors to fling wide open, for our, for our hearts to be vulnerable and trusting towards you in a way where, God, there's a full invitation for you to flood into every aspect, 100% of our hearts filled with you. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. Holy Spirit, I ask you to flow on people. Holy Spirit, I ask you to stoke the fire. Holy Spirit, I declare fire on every single person. God, those who have come needing a miracle this morning, we haven't talked about healing. But those who have, we're just going to very quickly do this. Those who have come needing a miracle this morning, God, you are so good at your job. You're so good at healing people. 
And Father, right now, I thank you that you're healing people in this room right now. I declare miracles over this room. I declare healing over this room. Everywhere you go, people are healed. I declare those who have back pain right now just being healed, God. I declare those, uh, someone here with a problem in their right eye, I declare that being healed right now in the name of Jesus being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Someone was a problem in one of their hips right now uh, from a sports um, injury. I just declare right now that being healed in the name of Jesus. 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 Someone here with a child who has dyslexia right now, I just declare fire going right through their brain, right through their mind. I declare that dyslexia being utterly healed in the name of Jesus right now. Right now. Release heaven in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, we say, God, we are, if you're reaching out your hand and saying, follow me, we say we will follow. We say we will follow. God, when it's scary and we don't know what we're stepping into, if you're stepping into it, God, we're stepping into it. If you're stepping into it, we're stepping into it. If you're not stepping into it, we're not stepping into it. If you're taking it with you, we're taking it with us. If you're leaving it behind, we're leaving it behind, God. God, teach us to trust in a radical way in this season, God. Teach us to be forerunners of what it is to be led by the Spirit in this season. For those, God, who are, whose heart is burning to know the still small voice of the Spirit, God, I declare right now, if that's you and you just, what, you just say, man, I want to become more sensitive to the still small voice of the Spirit, just put your hand on your heart right now. Right now, God, I declare the volume of the whispers of the Spirit to increase. I declare, God, right now, a stillness in people's hearts. I declare a rest in people's hearts, a rest in people's internal worlds right now, which will enable them to recognize the whisperings of the Spirit. I declare, God, right now, a sensitivity to the Spirit to just flow over each person. God, I declare over the ones who have little kids at home and and home is busy and full. I declare that there will be a rest and a stillness in your heart that you would know the peace of God that transcends understanding. And in that, you would recognize His voice on a constant and consistent basis. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to go into a time of worship now. And I just want to encourage you to use this time. Use this time to let God work in your heart in a fresh way. Use this time to... uh, to let God challenge you. Use this time to just ask the Lord, Lord, as I'm worshiping you, if there's anything that you want me to let go of, God, I want to make a decision that I'm letting go of it this morning. And if He challenges you for that, then just let just 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 do some business with God this morning. Just do some business with God this morning. Holy Spirit. Spirit, Holy Spirit, if you know, if you know that you are in a a spot and you're aware in this room, as I was speaking, you were like, man, I, I know exactly what it is that I need to let go of. If you feel particularly challenged from this message, if you feel like, man, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like that, that's just, I feel like God's just nailed me this morning. Then, uh, then during this song, during these, this worship time, I just want to invite you to come to the front. 
And, and I would just love to come and pray for you. And my prayer is, is not really going to be so much of an impartation. It's more going to be just to stand with you and bless what God is beginning in your life today. To stand with you and say, God, I, I just stand with the Lord and say, well, I, I bless you with fire. I bless you with the stoking of something fresh and new in your life. I bless you with fresh intimacy. I just want to bless you this morning. And so as we sing these songs, feel free to come out the front. I'd love to just lay hands on some people. Holy Spirit. Awesome.